0: Why do people go bald?
1: Why are baboons' bums red? What's a light year? Why do leaves go brown in the autumn? Why do monkeys like bananas? Why do some glow in Why the dark? Why do animals not understand you? Why do my receipts fade after a year?
0: Don't know the answer? Ask the Naked Scientists. Hello and
1: welcome to this week's Ask the Naked Scientists with me, Italy George, and with Dave Ansell. Ralph in Stanford says... Hi, Dave. What's the difference between an asteroid and a meteor? Can can you answer that one? I've put Dave completely on the spot here. I don't know if he needed any preparation time, but he certainly hasn't had any, so...
2: Okay, an asteroid is basically a lump of rock which is orbiting the sun. Mm -hmm. So a smallish lump of rock, anything up to 100 kilometres across, down to a few tens of metres across, orbiting the sun. While it's sitting there orbiting, it's an asteroid. Um, A meteor is something which hits the Earth's atmosphere. Um, when things which hit the Earth's atmosphere, as they fall towards the Earth, they get going incredibly fast. When they hit the um, hit the gases in the atmosphere, they compress the gas. When you compress gas, it gets very hot. So you get this fiery trail right. of these really hot gases, and it evaporates, and you get all sorts of exciting things happening, and so you see a streak in the sky. Um, so meteor is stuff hitting the uh, atmosphere. A meteorite is if it gets all the way down to Earth, and you find a lump of rock on the ground.
1: OK, so meteor is whilst it's in the sky? Yep. Does a meteor then become an asteroid as it enters the atmosphere? And, and if
2: an asteroid, a very very, very small asteroid, a little lump of asteroid which hits the atmosphere okay. would then turn into a meteor. Oh.
1: And if so it's, it's big enough
2: to get to the ground good. it's a meteorite.
1: Well done, Alan. No, it was Ralph, I beg your pardon. Well done. I had no idea. I just thought they were completely different things. That's amazing, right? Will, will there be a test afterwards? Because I probably won't be able to repeat not. that back to you. But that was amazing. Have you actually? Have you looked out for the the Perseid?
2: I had a bit, a little bit of a look. I was out a few, a couple of weeks ago, and someone else Come saw one. I
1: thought it was this week.
2: It's it's actually spread over about a whole month. Okay. Um, what's happening is that the Earth is orbiting and moving through the trail of a, a comet, a comet called Swift Tuttle. Um, which orbits every 130 years, and its, co- and its orbit passes through the Earth's orbit. So there's lots of dust and stuff which has been thrown off by this comet, which is just following the same orbit. And the Earth flies through all this dust. Some, some of the dust hits the Earth. Um, it's going so fast, even just something like the size of a sand grain, it's got enough energy to light up a little streak in the sky. Right. And there's the kind of cloud of dust and stuff is quite large, so the Earth slowly moves through it. This is just the brightest period when you get sort of 60 or so um, meteorites every hour. Yeah. But it's slowly building up and it will slowly die away again over OK, because
1: as I said, I had a bit of a, you know, sort of cursory look the other night at about 3 o'clock in the morning when I happened to be awake. could <laughs> not see anything. Wasn't very exciting, no, but I might no. have a look. At, obviously, I'll be out, you know, out and about tonight on my way home, so I'll have a little look then. You want to
2: get somewhere <laughs> away from the street lighting?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's quite difficult where I live. Um, Alan in Orpington, hello, Alan. He says we've got so many remote controls. I mean, I'm just thinking about in my sitting room, there are probably uh, one, two, there's probably about four or five different remote controls for various TV yeah. satellite decoder box, DVD player, blah blah, blah blah He says, how much space do we have left for all these signals before they interfere? I thought that was a great question. It is a
2: wonderful question, actually, yeah. Um, the way normal remote controls work is actually, it's basically Morse code with a flashing light, but they flash with a colour of light which you can't see. It's just beyond the red in the spectrum. Mm. a colour called infrared, and they flash in the infrared. If you point one at a, a mobile phone camera or something, you can actually see it flashing. Because the camera on your mobile phone is sensitive to the infrared light. So you can see the light flashing. Okay. So it basically sits there, it flashes a light at your TV. Your TV's got a little sensor. It detects the light. Um, the 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 flashing is coded a bit like Morse code. Mm-hmm. Some of that code is to tell it what kind of remote control it's supposed to be. So the first bit of each code is going to be, going to say I'm a Samsung okay. uh, 548971 Hello,
1: nine, seven, one. I am a Philips yes. <laughs>
2: um, Then the second half of the code is going to be turn on, turn off, change to channel 15 or whatever so as long as those codes, as long as they don't start overlapping with those codes, um, if you have got one remote control is not going to start to, your TV remote control's not going to start turning your stereo, or whatever. As long as all the manufacturers um, talk use to each other and code. use different codes. Okay. Um, but if you have two of them and point, if you had enough of them and all point them at your TV at once and press buttons at random, then the TV is going to get confused <laughs> because it's going to be flashing lights going all over, off all over the place, and it will get confused.
1: So is it possible to if you've got and I, you know, I apologise if I'm asking you questions that is getting too deep in in here. But if you've got, say, a television and a DVD player that are the same make, that says "Hello, I'm a whatever," yeah. um, could you could, would would sort of one Morse code signal from one remote be telling the DVD to do something else? Do you see what I mean? To do so something it else it entirely so depends. Dip, how dip, they're... da, da might yeah. mean turn on channel one on the television but it might mean stop the dvd from playing
2: um if if they organized it wrong yeah. if, they, if, they, if they weren't careful and they didn't use different codes then yes that could because this all
1: happened. used to go this is my story i was going to tell you i remember having a television very clearly in fact it was quite posh at the time and it had a remote that had two buttons on it there was on yeah and change the channel okay yeah and They were just two very big buttons, but and they worked on sound.
2: Oh, ultrasound! Or
1: (laughs) I'm not entirely. We're talking a long time ago. Yeah. And this television was in the kitchen, and if you actually were doing the washing up and you put the cutlery back in the cutlery drawer in the kitchen, the television would change channel. (laughs) And didn't they drive pets mad or something? These. Yeah,
2: it would. It would be ultrasound again. It's using sound above twenty kilohertz, which you can't hear, but dogs and cats will be able to hear. Um, probably because the electronics were cheaper or easier at that time. Mm. And they'd be sending different tones or different codes. But the they'd tones. probably
1: be banned now for being, you know,
2: <laughs> cool. un-
1: unhealthy for the animals. Oh. So, Alan, great question. Thank you very much for that. Um, Gen- Gen- is that Janina? Jemima? Janina? Janina? Apologies, but... I'm not entirely sure, but I've, I've I've had three goes at your name, so thank you anyway. Um, had a debate with a friend about parallel universes and if they could exist. And uh, Janina says neither of us could understand how they could work. Any thoughts from you, Dave? How long have you got? I think, is, I think yeah. The, I mean, you know, we can talk about this certain, till ten o'clock I'm tomorrow sure there's morning. There's certainly
2: no actual answer to this. It's a very interesting so th- question. For
1: those of us who are not. You know, comfortable with the concept of a parallel universe. Just in basic terms, what does that mean? That... That's
2: that's a good question. In itself. Okay. Oh, um, <laughs> I was trying to
1: simplify things. There's,
2: there's lots of different. There's lots of different ideas of parallel universe. Basically, it's something like the universe that which we can see, mm-hmm. with lots of stars in it, um, which we can't get to at the moment. So, however far we go in any direction in our universe, we're never going to get to this other universe. Right. Um, there's various. I mean, there's various ideas of what these. Could be one of them could be that our universe might be sort of like a bubble I um, know oh, i 've heard that theory. my
1: mother half very into things like this and and he made me watch a program the other day that was all about that and about how we were you know the space around yeah. us was a bubble, and then there could be other bubbles around
2: yeah. so essentially if you imagine um, sort of a bubble of where you got the surface is two dimensions mm-hmm. inside a three dimensional um, sort of room. Um, then, if you, our universe could be a three-dimensional surface in a four-dimensional room, so instead of up, down, forwards, and backwards, um, up and left and right, yeah. you'd have another two directions. You can't imagine it because our brains because aren't built we don't, that way.
1: No, we don't
2: know. We just don't know, do we? Um, so, I mean, so there could be just sort of other bubbles of universes. Because also, we don't place. know
1: how big we are, do we?
2: We don't really know how big the I mean, you is. know,
1: I know I'm five foot seven, yeah. but I don't know how big that is in comparison to the other big beings that could be out there. I mean, they, we could be one of their molecules. Um, couldn't yeah, we? I
2: mean, the, you, you know, we can't you see. No beyond, idea. We, the science can't if go a beyond hand what we can comes see. comes down
1: one day and <laughs> plucks the earth. And we'll know that we there's, we'll something, know there's bigger, something more interesting. Yeah. Then
2: we can study that, and it'll be fascinating. So, so,
1: so these concepts of parallel universes. Then, so, so there's there's a so bubble. idea. there's one,
2: and the other big one is to do with um, the quantum mechanics. Because so the quantum mechanics um, basically it seems that um, everything seems to work on probabilities so if you have like an atom it might decay it might uh, uh, uranium it might decay into thorium in every t- every 10 years and there's a 50% maybe a 50% chance of that happening and we have no, I- no idea of reason why possibly it might decay or might not decay but we know it happens very accurately there's a 50% chance of it decaying mm. Um, and so one of the explanations for this is that every possible occurrence happens and they just all the the universe kind of keeps splitting up and splitting up and splitting up up into more and more possible things and if you if you happen to be in this universe you don't know about all the other infinite number of other universes Mm. with every other possible thing which could ever have happened Mm. in them because Mm. you're in this one um i mean it's a it's called the parallel world's I this
1: keeps a lot of people very, very busy, doesn't it? I can there's tell. A lot,
2: there's a lot of very clever people yes. who've been probably too long thinking about <laughs> these kind of things. It makes but, my head hurt.
1: <laughs> um, do you think we've answered Januna's question? I don't I, don't, I, I don't it's, it's we've answered It's the kind it, of thing think that, that, that you'll never ever, yeah. well, unless, as we say, unless the big hand comes down. And, or
2: we and, find some way of seeing the big hand via yeah. by, by some interesting experiment. We'll just experiment. never know, but it's good. I mean, there's all sorts of sci- um, scientists who think that possibly, if there are other universes, they're looking at ways, the bubbles kind of universe, ways of possibly seeing how they might interact with our universe or might have interacted when the universe was older and all sorts of well, things.
1: as long as they don't bounce into each other and crash, then that's good, isn't it? Tony is on the line this one here i think tony good after good evening to you
2: good evening to you
0: easy
1: i'm used to saying afternoon to people i know Uh, now whereabouts are you tony Westcliff. okay very very good evening and welcome to the program what's your question for dave
2: right good evening dave evening tony um
0: it's just that it seems to me that all garden electrics you know, hedge cutters, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, yeah. only have a positive and negative lead going from them to the plug, whereas you know, everything else in the house, for example, have uh, an earth lead. I wonder if there's any reason for this.
2: I don't know. Um, I just, yeah, I've, I've, I've never really looked. I think my lawnmower has an earth lead. Um, I know not everything legally has to have an Earth lead. If all of the electrics are under two, what's called double insulated, so they're under two layers of oh, plastic, that's it, probably. Um, then they, I think they, they assume that it's unlikely that um, you're going to break both layers of plastic without noticing and turning the machine off um so things like the little power bricks which you plug into the wall and a lot of small, small electrical plasticky equipment don't, don't have earth leads because everything is well enough insulated everyone decides that you're not going to break it you're not going to break it in one go badly enough to be able to get at the mains inside um I, i'm surprised that head, maybe hedge trimmers are just covered with enough plastic that yeah. Well, I've so. cut,
0: I'll just say that I've cut through it at least twice. It's never does me any
2: harm. Listen,
1: if you've cut through the lead twice, Tony, I suggest it's time to get a new one. Wouldn't you, Tony? I
2: do get a new one because it's too heavy. I can't carry it anymore. Getting too blooming old.
1: Get, yes, get somebody in. That's a better idea. Yeah,
0: the wife. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tony, fantastic. Has Dave answered your question admirably? I
0: think so, yes. This is one of these funny old things, but. Here
1: we are. Marvellous. Excellent. Very
2: kind of him. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Tony.
1: Thank you, Tony. You do take care. Bye. Uh, So bye-bye, Tony there from Westcliff. I just wanted to talk about an artificial brain.
2: Oh, yes. Uh,
1: There was a story in the news. Now, this story has been around in the science world for a few weeks. Well, probably even longer than that. But uh, I noticed today on the internet that it's been kicking around for at least a couple of weeks. But I saw it in the paper, I think it was yesterday or the day before. And in Switzerland, there are people, well, there are probably other people doing it as well, but basically they're they're trying to construct a fully functioning artificial brain. I mean, my brain boggles at the thought... (laughs) Um, and you've investigated this a bit further,
2: haven't you? Yeah, um, this is a guy. Uh, well, a guy called Henry Mar- Markram. Um, he's sort of seems to be in charge of the project. He's giving a talk, one of the TED lectures, which are fascinating things. If you ever um, Google te- TED lectures, if you want to waste uh, an evening, um, because there's all sorts of fascinating, very interesting. Well, people instead of with all me falling asleep,
1: which I normally do, I should be googling TED
2: lectures. You Google the TED lectures? You've got all sorts of interesting people talking about interesting things. Yeah, um, anyway, he's um, based in Switzerland, and basically his head or involved in a big project um, called the, big, um, the Blue Brain Project, where basically the idea is that everyone's studying um, bits of brains and bits of neurons and trying to work out how they work. And the reason why that would be useful is if we could build a model of it. So you can then, so in the short term, so you can b- build models of bits of the brain, you can then see what happens if you put a drug into it or something mm. and see whether that's likely to have a bad effect or a good effect um, and sort of start to understand how the brain works. Um, so, they've been spending the last 15 years so far looking, basically looking at rats' brains, looking in very small scales, sort of um, measuring electric currents. And if they prod it here with, these, with one set of electric currents, what comes out the other okay. end? Um, and they reckon that um, each, each neuron in the brain, that for them to model it properly, needs about the processing power of a laptop. Um, and they, and there's about 50 or 100 billion neurons in yeah, a brain. So, I think if they're going to get it to, if they're going to be able to build a big, mo- a whole model of the brain just on computing power, they're going to have to hope that computers keep getting quite a lot faster.
1: I mean basically if, if this is to form part of a robot ultimately at the moment it's going it, to be about the size of the big hand that we were talking about before <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> yes
2: pretty much um, I think that basically they're not really wanting it for the robot they really um he wants to study it so as we understand Let's human brains happens, better yeah. so we can understand when they go wrong better and how to mend them um and sort of understand things outside like all the all the um, problems of the brain because I mean we understand how heart works it's a pump we have no idea how the brain works.
1: And he reckons that this is going to be ready in 10 years' time.
2: I'm, I would... Yeah, I mean, it sounds quite optimistic to me. It feels like the sort of thing which is going to be more difficult than you it think. Like you might
1: have one cell ready. I mean, for I goodness think, sake. I mean, he's probably... He's
2: going to have... I could imagine that he's going to have um, models of sort of fairly large lump bits of brain yeah, in that bits, time. Yeah. I, mean, I think he's, he has built a model of, I think, half a rat brain or something. Right. Um, I can imagine you have a model which will show quite a lot of the properties of a brain, but whether it will be the same as a human brain, I have a feeling there's lots of subtleties in Now, that. I
1: know that this has then raised some quite interesting ethical questions about a bit that, you know, it's kind of Frankenstein yeah. question of if you turn this thing on, if you switch it on, what, what actual <laughs> crime are you committing to switch it off again?
2: Yeah, it's a fascinating one, that, because, I mean, if you have, I mean... If you have built an accurate model of a brain mm. and you're running it, then mm. that's essentially the same as a human brain. Does
1: it have human rights?
2: That I think <laughs> that's a question for the lawyers and the ethicists, <laughs> not, not me, I'm afraid.
1: And I'm sure people like Isaac Asimov they 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 foresaw all this, didn't yeah. they? You know, they they saw that coming.
2: It's, yeah, I mean, the science fiction is the sort of thing which science fiction writers have been predicting for a long time. Yeah, um, if not. Uh, yeah, some things they get and some things they won't. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to take a while to get... I think it's going to be a long time till we reach that, that, that ethical question.
1: Fantastic. But... but Let's meet Alan, first of all. Alan, good evening to you. Yes, good evening. Hi, whereabouts are you from, Alan?
0: Alpington, in Kent.
1: OK, and uh, you have a question about electricity and batteries.
0: Yes, um, well, basically, we are heading towards a, a time where we're trying to get cars to run on batteries to save, obviously, fuel and... To become more green-friendly. Yep. Uh, now, some time ago, it must have been over 30 years ago, um, I actually tested a vehicle, and the battery in it weighed a third of a tonne. Yeah. Because they said that they couldn't get more than one and a half volts per cell. Um, yep. I was wondering what's happened since then to enable vehicles to get that level of power into them, but either come become smaller or... Um, well, what's just happened? I yeah. just don't understand what's happened since then.
2: Okay. Um, basically, batteries have got a lot, lot better. Um, you, um, the, you're right. The cells used to be... Actually, like, trends on the kind of battery. You have one and a half volts from something like a nic- NiCAD battery, nickel cadmium battery, slightly more, I think, from a lead-acid battery. A lot of batteries these days are um, lithium-ion batteries, which are about three volts per cell. But that doesn't really matter because you can always get more voltage by putting in more smaller cells. The really important thing is about the amount of energy you can squeeze into a cell. Um, And basically partly because everyone's been trying really, really hard to get more and more energy into things, for things like mobile phones and laptops. Um, Especially these lithium-ion batteries have got much, much denser. You can get probably at least 10 times as much energy for the same weight. As, you, as a lead acid battery, mm. so basically you can get far more energy in for the same weight, so the car is a lot more practical. Although it's still nothing compared to petrol. Petrol is so, the most ridiculously, incredibly efficient store and um, way of storing energy.
0: Yeah. So, uh, w- what about the the uh, fact that they slowly uh, reduce in value the battery? You know, slowly reduce in value as you use it. Um, so, yeah. how how on earth do they sort of maintain? the same level of speed when you first go out in it to when
2: you're coming back home in it sort of thing oh as a as battery discharges it's got less voltage um i mean some of it is that diff- some different battery chemistries aren't as bad for that and um, the other thing is basically you can use clever electronics to convert voltage from um from whatever the voltage is to your battery to whatever the voltage your motors need um without uh, just quite efficiently sort of 90 over 95 percent efficiency so even if your batteries are almost flat, you can convert that voltage by taking more current um, right. to um, yeah, 100 volts, whatever your car motors need. So it doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah. So is there a possibility that you could get to a point where it would just cut out?
2: Um, yes. If your battery goes flat, then if there's no energy left in the battery, then you're not going to be able to go anywhere. Yeah. And, I mean, the range is the big problem with um, electric this, this cars. This is the
0: thing, you see, because I, I, I can remember only being able to do about 75 miles on this massive battery. And then it was we were limited to about thirty miles an hour.
2: Yeah, I mean it's definitely a lot better than that. They're they're over a hundred, over cut some of them up to a couple of hundred miles. But yeah, it's it's a problem, and they're still working on it. And batteries aren't perfect.
1: Alan, thank you very much for posing the question. Our thanks to Annie and Peterborough. I heard a similar question as well about um, electric cabs rather than diesel cabs, because yeah. obviously if you're staying within a town centre or city centre, then.
2: I mean I think probably a good the, the, idea. Yeah, I mean if you've got somewhere to recharge and you can recharge the problem with the cab is it keeps driving for a long time. Yeah. And, yeah I think and, and delivery vans are. Time's money. You it. don't want
1: to be stopping, do you? <laughs> you do not want to be stopping. We've had a question, Dave, about wormholes. Now, I don't think they mean the sort of you know, that you get in the ground early in the morning when the early bird catches the worm. I think they mean sort of time slippy type wormholes, you know, the things that you can drop through and probably end yeah. up in your parallel universe now kevin in welling garden city says some years ago we thought we jumped through time we somehow managed to travel from bedfordshire to welling garden city in 15 minutes usually the best part of an hour i'm sure there's a more down-to-earth explanation yeah for that.
2: i i'm I would have said that it's much more likely that something fairly down-to-earth happens. I know like you your
1: battery went flat. Like <laughs> like possibly, clock maybe. Your clock yeah. might
2: be going flat. I mean, the, people have hypothesised things like wormholes, but um, all of the... If, if if the universe works the way think, we think it does, they involve incredibly very large masses, incredibly dense, and you probably um, get squished. If and, and went through yeah, a I mean, if, if there had been a wormhole somewhere near the Earth, of any size, which you could walk through, then we'd know about it, and there'd right. be huge holes. Uh, whether, whether the Earth would still exist, I don't know. Um, I think it's probably, uh, you do get strange things with the way your brain works. That quite often you end up, sometimes you end up driving on entirely automatic, and you don't mm. remember the last. Two hundred mile, uh, miles, fifty miles—you driven along because your, your sort of brain, your sort of conscious brain, isn't really paying attention, and it's your subconscious scary, brain actually, is still. It? Yeah, it's quite scary. I think if possibly if that happened and your clock was a bit on the blink, I think that's probably more likely. more likely
1: than the wormhole scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Kevin, thanks very much for that. Um, Nigel in Milton Keynes has got a sort of related question because in that it's you know to do with space and planets yeah. and things. Um, my question is about Saturn's rings. Uh, there are moons in them. Is the ring I don't know if you could answer this yeah. off the top of your head, but is the ring debris we do put them on the spot, don't we? Is the ring debris forming other moons or essentially trapped? trapped. Does that make sense to you?
2: Yes I think there's definitely evidence that it's more likely to be something around the other way other way around. The moons seem to sort of herd the rings so you tend quite often you'll get a moon with a ring either side. Or a ring with a gap. There'll be gaps. If you've got a whole lot, Saturn's got lots of moons. Right. And there's so it's lots got of the rings. Of, yeah, the rings are made up of rings. lots of, kind of dust and yes. rocks and stuff. And yeah. um, in between, and the moons, the moons aren't very rarely inside a ring. I don't think they're ever inside an actual ring. They tend to be in the gaps between the okay. rings, definitely the big ones. Um, and the gravity of the moons tends to kind of either keep the ring um, slow slow down any rocks which come out. Too fast, or can move down towards the moon, and they get sped up. And if they move um, out, yeah, basically they, they kind of shepherd the yeah. rings and keep them much more. So each um, one has
1: got its own force, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah,
2: the gravity of the moons keep the rings in the right shape. Um, the the some of the rings definitely on Jupiter are created by moons' volcanic eruptions from the moons. I think some of the um, Saturn's moons get sort of water volcanic eruptions, and they form particles which then make up moons. Um, moons, could, uh, the rings could also be made by things hitting moons, and you get a load of debris thrown off, and that could form a ring.
1: So basically, the the I think this is what Nigel is 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 getting at that the dust that is floating around yeah. is not necessarily making new moons. It's I, kind of suspended think, dust yeah. that's being there's held. Not really, there's not enough there these, to yeah. form
2: to be forming moons. Yeah. I think, and it's quite and it's very cold and it's moving quite fast. So I think the the dust tends to be breaking the means apart rather than gluing them together.
1: Okay, brilliant. Um, Now, uh, Nigel, thank you for your question. Phil says... This is something completely different. How does an automatic weather station gauge visibility for the shipping forecast?
2: I think... I mean, it doesn't quite do it the same way as you... Your eye would do, I think. Because if, if, if,
1: we'd get some binoculars. We'd look out. Look at something. And
2: we'd we'd know it's about three miles away yeah. and we can only just see it, so visibility yeah. is about three miles away.
1: Or you get your mate to run off keep, a long, keep, keep running! With a big long running. tape measure. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah. Probably something like that. Yeah. Less practical yeah. way of doing it. But yeah, it would work too and you estimate it. I think the way automatic weather stations do it tends to be they, say, have a reasonable bit of air, sort of 50 metres or something, and they shine a laser from one end through the air to a mirror and back again they have a detector at each end and they measure how much light makes that journey okay and if it's there's lots of mist there then a lot of the light's going to get bounced off somewhere else so the light can't travel very far so the visibility that's how pure the
1: signal is on the way back yeah
2: so basically how clean the air is so it's measured it's probably measuring much more locally than you you would do because if there's a big sort of fog bank coming in then you'd say the visibility was less because you can't see beyond the fog bank until the fog bank got to the sensor it wouldn't know about it
1: yeah Cool. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Somebody has, I think, texted saying, I've had a catheter fitted. Why do you pass more fluid in the day than in the night? Now, my first obvious and probably ridiculous answer to that would be because you're drinking more. Obviously, if you're not drinking
2: that you are putting
1: in it's not going to come out is it
2: that will be some of it certainly probably Chris is the best person to answer this know yeah, sure. all the names and everything yeah. but when you're asleep you give out the a special hormone which actually stops you producing urine or reduces the rate at which you produce urine so fluid will sort of build up in all your other tissues mm-hmm. it's so as you can keep sleeping for 8 hours without having oh, to go to the know, I
1: never knew that
2: so you don't make as much urine so you don't so you can they
1: so don't need to last
2: go. for longer without having to go oh, to I to I
1: I'm learning. I'm learning stuff. Um, Now, we have somebody called Alejandro, I hope I've uh, pronounced uh, the name correctly, who says, as I understand it, white surfaces reflect all frequencies of visible light. Isn't that what mirrors do? So basically, what is the difference then? between a mirror and a white surface. Can you can you put that question into, into words of one syllable that I can understand, it's, first of all?
2: I, well, basically, the reason things look white is because all of the colours of the rainbow from the light or the sun bounce off them into your eyes, you, so your eyes see a mixture of all the colours of the rainbow, which you see as white. A mirror reflects... So this the,
1: white piece of paper is not actually white?
2: It's the light bouncing off it is a mixture of all the colours of the rainbow, and your eyes see that as, right, as white or white. Okay. Right. And a mirror all the colors yeah. of the rainbow bounce off the yeah. mirror as well. Yeah. So he's asking what's the difference between the two. Okay. The simple answer is kind of how, f- is how smooth they are. If you get a mirror and if you get a mirror and smash it up into lots of pieces, then you'll see lots of tiny tiny images. And um, they'll, they'll be made up of all the colours of the rainbow as well. And if you smash those up into smaller and smaller and smaller until you can't see individual images, then then it will look white. because. You see, now I want to go home and down. smash
1: something now. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm tempted to go home and smash something. It's the
2: same thing if you look at a um, little crystal of salt. If you look at one of them very individually, they're transparent and it looks clear like a piece of glass but because light, when it hits it, it bends and reflects off it. If you ground it up and look at it from a long way away, then it looks white because all the colours of light are bouncing off it in random directions. So you can't see the images anymore. Everything's mixed up and it looks white.
1: Well, I never... I, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Can I, now, OK, so I can turn the, the, the see-through bit of salt into something white. Can I turn this piece of paper into a mirror?
2: not easily <laughs> you have <laughs> to make it very so very flat
1: good answer. Dave we thank you for your time thank you thank so you much for joining much. us that's it for this week our doctors will be back next week for more ask the naked scientists but don't forget you can also catch them on the naked scientists podcast which you can find on the naked scientists website www.thenakedscientists.com
0: the Naked Scientists are sponsored by the Wellcome Trust, the EPSRC, and UK Fast. For more information, look us up online at nakedscientists.com.